the reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change, you know, um, change in, in direction, change in, you know, the way we do things. And, and that usually transpires in the change in personnel, squad and players and staff. And, you know, within that context, my my role right at this minute is to deal with what's in front of me, the certainties I have, uh, knowing that there are going to be many uncertainties and um, trying to tick off one by one, um, you know, the path forward for us. And that is, you know, what our squad's going to look like. Um, may take a little while um, until the season starts before we have a clarity on that. But within that, I can't wait for that moment to start working. We've started already. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. This is episode 133, and we have got a full house and a lot to talk about as Spurs have headed off to the Asia Pacific and their preseason tour, first preseason match a couple of days away. And we're here to talk about a lot of that and, and a whole lot more going on in the world of Spurs. We'll start by throwing it out to Mr. Todd Cachot, TC underscore Cachot on the Twitters. Todd, what's up, my friend? No, any day, brother, any day you got a full house to talk about Spurs business is a good fucking day. We've got uh, we've got some hairy hot ones that we get to cover at some point in time today. Uh, but, you know, we're, I don't I don't want to I don't want to uh, bury the lead too much here. So there's there's clearly a lot of, of pressing matters that I'm really excited. We get the opportunity to chat about together. Harry Hot Ones is such a, like, if you don't know what you're talking about, I can only imagine where people's minds are going about, you know, just those three <laughs> words together. It's a very strange combination of words. Uh, Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, how are you? Good, man. Can't complain. Nice, nice little weekend. Gearing up for, for the exciting preseason to come, I know. Uh, Shubon is also with us at The Real Shubon from over there in wonderful London. Shubs, how are you? I am I'm doing all right. Hopefully my hay fever is on the way out. So fingers crossed. Absolutely. And Caroline is also here. She is at CG Stefco. Kaz, I know you got to experience something pretty cool yesterday with your local San Antonio team taking on Sunderland in a friendly and got to meet a, meet a couple of, well, meet, you got to meet one former Spurs product, correct? Yes. Uh, Dennis Serkin. They, they held an open practice that, our club's season ticket members were invited to, as well as some of their traveling fans, of which they had many. Um, I was really actually impressed by how many of their fans traveled to this game. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice to chat with him. He was very friendly. It seems like he's really enjoying playing with Sunderland now. And um, if you go to my Twitter profile, you can find a quick video of him giving a good coise. 
So, and I also got to see uh, Jack Clark played in the second half of the friendly and had a pretty good performance. So yeah, that was pretty enjoyable. Very cool. A, a really cool experience. I'm sure. Um, guys, this podcast, we're going to talk a lot about this travel squad that was released uh, the, the club that, that, that went over uh, on this preseason tour. I think there's, there's a, a, quite a bit of, I guess, news out of that announcement. Uh, we're also going to talk about Big Ange's first press conference, a couple other quick hitters before we talk about the women's team and give you guys a little bit of a preview uh, about the Women's World Cup, which starts this very week, uh, which is kind of exciting, gives us some actual, you know, meaningful soccer to watch other than, you know, our, our, our local club teams over here in the States that we still have playing in, this, in the, in the god-awful summer. Um, but before we get to kind of any of that stuff, um, the real big kind of news out of, you know, the Spurs verse this week was, was the interview that Delhi Alley did with uh, Gary Nettle. It was uh, really kind of a, a shocker to me. I didn't see something like this, this coming, but um, talked about his, his battle over the last handful of, of seasons uh, pretty much. I think timeline wise, you can put this when he left Spurs um, maybe a little bit, even before that he, he told some stories about his, his time at the tail end of Spurs in this, in this lengthy interview, which I would encourage everyone to go watch. It's, it's, it's a tough watch but it's very powerful. Uh, Delhi spoke about uh, checking himself into rehab, uh, dealing with um, some kind of drug or alcohol abuse. Um, he, he kind of alluded to a lot of his childhood trauma. Um, it, was, it, it was an extremely emotional, powerful interview, and it really painted quite the picture for what Deli Ali has been through over the last handful of seasons um, and, and years of his life. Uh, you know, I'm not even trying to put this in, in, a, in a full football context, but um, I watched this interview uh, the other night. I was, I was blown away by it. I was blown away by the candor. Um, I was blown away by Delhi's strength. Um, and I just kind of thought that it would be a, an important place for us to start this podcast because we we're a podcast that we always, we never shy away from tough topics and, and discussing mental health and um, making sure that, that these kinds of things have, have a light shown on them and, and, and can be discussed. Um, I think in a similar way that Delhi wanted them to be, and, and he wanted to, to do this interview as hard as it was to talk about everything that he's been dealing with. Um, that's something that we try to do here at the Tottenham Depot as well. Um, I don't really have a question other than to, to ask you guys your reactions to it. Scott, let's start with you, man. I mean, what, what was your reaction to, to seeing this and, and seeing Delhi kind of put his, put his heart on the line during this really tough watch? Yeah. I mean, I think um, very, very brave of Delhi, without a doubt, you know, anybody who has dealt with mental health will understand that um, it, you can have all kinds of emotions when you decide to, to come forward with these kind of things. And it's different for everyone. Right. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched the full interview yet. I think I'll, I'll wait till I feel like it's the right time for me to sit down and watch that and really digest it. But I certainly understand the gist of what he discussed. Right. And, and I think the, the, the biggest thing for me is how, how important it is to keep in mind that, professional footballers are are real human beings with real emotions and fame and money don't don't stop those things from occurring in the human mind right so I think uh again very brave of Delhi and I think a a stark reminder to to treat people kindly um especially especially in England you know Harry Kane will get the hot ones right eventually and he talked about it on hot ones the differentiation between being a, a professional athlete in the States and, and the United Kingdom. And we all know that, that in England, 
the media really, really takes a toll on professional athletes. And I think when you've got a guy who's in his 20s at the top of the world, like Delhi was, there's a lot of pr pressure put on them. And we all know that that alcohol is one of the most common ways to battle anxiety, right? It's it's a uh, it is a, a, a very effective technique if you're looking to to numb numb, numb that anxiety with within within yourself, right? So, um, again, more than anything, I just I think it's incredibly brave of Delhi, and I think um, you know absolute kudos to him for coming forth and. Um, most importantly, let's remember to treat everybody with kindness and, and, and empathy and love, regardless of their status in life, right? If you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, um, you'll recollect my perspective on Delhi uh, has not wavered. And that is quite simply that, that Delhi um, has always been the uh, biggest impediment to, to Delhi's progress in his life. And if you listen to that interview, Delhi says the exact same thing. Uh, when we talked on this podcast previously and we talked about Delhi and, you know, the everybody shrugging their shoulders about, I just don't know how he fell off. And I looked at y'all and I said, well, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably an addiction. Um, these are the reasons why. So this is not an I told you so moment. This is a moment to take stock of the people in your lives in a moment to take stock in the people around you that are displaying things that you can't quite understand, just check on those people, check on your people because they are going through things that you can't possibly imagine. And Delhi, at 27 years old, to have the gleam in his eye back to say, I'm gonna be better than I ever was with Spurs, shows to me that he may have caught himself before it's too late. I think that's really important. And I think that the, the thing that stood out a lot to me is just how relatable um, everything that Delia was saying, which is not something you get from a 27-year-old a, a professional footballer for, for, for a guy like me sitting on his couch. But we all deal with, with so many things that, that we don't talk about openly or don't get feel like we're forced to talk about openly. Um, and, and I don't think anyone should be forced to talk about them, but it's important to know that you can. Um, and I think that the, the relatableness of, of some of the things that he said, you know, I know I've dealt with, I know people who have dealt with, um, whether it's family struggles or personal struggles or any of those kinds of things. I, I just think it's it's so relatable is, is the is the okay. word that keeps coming up to me because and, and, and you saw that, too, from a lot of his former and current teammates as well and their reactions to this just, you know, coming right to his his not his defense because he doesn't need a defense. He's he's doing this on his own, but but coming to show their support for him, which I think is is really telling of, of the kind of person that, that Delhi is. So I think in terms of playing. I think one of the things factor in is that he, he's kind of unlucky that he's a, that he's a finisher. He doesn't really dictate anything. He defines them. And the problem was that he had Mr. Dembele coming to the end of his first career, uh, Christian Eriksen coming to the end of his first career, and Pochettino coming to the end of his first career, obviously. I think those three things happening, is, well, roughly one after the other after the other, it really, I think, affects, you know, because I think we forget how young he was at that time. And I remember on the Amazon job, they were always winners and losers with every managerial change. And I think he was one of the biggest losers in that. But I think one thing, um, for, those, for those of you who don't know, Milton Keynes is 
um, in Bedfordshire, which is one of my home counties. It's about 40 miles from London. And, um, you know, I mean, just to serve those who don't know me, Daddy Ali, he grew up, um, I think his mother, I think his mother's English, his dad's Nigerian. And I think there were issues growing with him growing up, as he also speaks about. And it was only until he moved in with, I think, his best friend at the time, and then with his parents, did he finally get the stability that he needed. And it's incredible. And I, don't, I don't think they've formally adopted him or formally whatever, but it's telling that, you know, one of the things he did was that after many years, he changed the main things. He, yeah, his, 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 his brother, best, best friend, became his agent and everything else. Um, another thing that people don't, may not be aware of is just as Daddy was growing up, um, just before he was 13, we had a huge thing called austerity. And there were so many cuts to services and everything else. So things he could have accessed. So I'm very, I'm very, and one of the hardest things is to know you have a problem, admitting you have a problem and seeking help for it. And credit to Delhi for doing that. Yeah, Shabon, I, I think, think that's a great point, man. I, I think that, and Delhi to his, to his own credit was saying that, you know, the hardest part of this entire thing for him is he's got the people who love and care about him in his life. And they have him in a room and they're sobbing, saying, Delhi, what's going on? What, what's, what's happening? And he says, I was so numb that I could do nothing but lie to their faces. And it's the, the, the demons that live inside that man are not ones that we can understand because we don't live inside that man. And so the only thing that we can do is, is as fans and as footballers and as humans is, is look at these people and say the amount of press, the amount of stress and pressure that you're under is, is not something that we can comprehend. And the amount of stress and pressure that you're under before the majority of us were out of, uh, you know, high school or, or is not something that we can understand or, or, or process. So then add into that all of the legitimate childhood trauma that he and other people in the world have had to go through. And this is, a conclusion that is uh, far more likely for than for far more footballers than people want to have a conversation with about. And I think that that's the other thing that Delhi brought to light here is that the uh, chemical enhancements of the players, we're going to leave it at that, Andrew, um, is something that has not been monitored and probably should be going forward. Yeah, I think my big takeaways from this interview were that one, I think that clubs have sometimes failed in their duty of care to a lot of players when it comes to these issues, like the sleeping pills. I know that's been a big topic of conversation. There was a really good article about it in the athletic a while back that y'all can look up. Um, but also just the fact that with a lot of these players, when they come through the Academy system, that can be a, a big time of like upheaval for them and lack of stability just because they're in a new environment. And I think it sounds like with Delhi at Spurs, he did get to this place where he was in this, you know, really stable, supportive environment. It sounds like a lot of his teammates, you know, were there for him. And then, you know, with Pochettino leaving, Mourinho coming in, things just kind of went haywire again. And I, I think it's really brave of him that you know, after struggling for some time, he was able to recognize that this was the time when he had to get help and he couldn't continue on the way that things had been. So it's, yeah, I just really admire him for that and for speaking out and helping other people know that that's an option, you know, that you can 
make yourself a priority. Um, but I also think it's a really good moment for fans to reflect about our behavior and how we can contribute to the pressures that these footballers are under. Um, one of the things that really struck me in Delhi's interview was him talking about, you know, his relationship with the press and, you know, obviously some of the things that were reported were true. We know that, but he was also saying that a lot of it was just straight up lies. So we really have to be putting, I think, me media under a lot more scrutiny, but also just you have to recognize that it's okay to be critical of players' performances, but it's it, there comes a point when it's just a pile on and it's not productive. It's not helpful. And, you know, I really feel for some of these players who we don't know what's going on in their lives. Maybe it's not even something as serious as an addiction, but just, you know, a really bad few months because of personal issues and, you know, things can just spiral really quickly. So I hope everybody's reflecting upon this and thinking about how we can be more supportive as fans. So um, just following what Kaz said, um, we've seen not just in football, but I think in gymnastics in the US, in the UK in swimming, there is a real lack of duty of care to young athletes. And I get why maybe in some other sports because there just isn't the money around. But football is overflowing with money. So there is no excuse that there's not a lack of resources for that. And as for the media, look, those of you who know, I, there's, a, there's one particular news, newspaper I can't stand. And it's hating Liverpool as well. The media here, they're just to put in some context, they, they, to, to basically get a better press story, they hacked the voicemail of a murdered teenager. That's how bad my country media is. It shames me. And, it's, and we've seen it this week as well. So definitely, I'm very glad that Delhi is going to help me need. And I said, I, I said, I think people, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. I, Andrew's called me on it. I've dog in on Aurier and I think Emerson as well because I've been frustrated. So I'm just guilty of it. And I think we, we all need to let's take a look in the mirror and say, do you know what? We are critiquing this place. These are human beings. And sometimes we lose it. So that's why I'm very glad that you know, I have these chats so where I can go like ape shit on players. I can keep it in a private space rather than sharing in a public you know, atmosphere. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good reality check for all of us. And I think it's an important lesson and all of us uh, want Delhi to be healthy and, and, and a, and a good human foremost before, before even a footballer. And if he can become a great footballer in the future, like, like Todd said, he's only 27. Um, awesome. That would be, that would be a, a, a cherry on top of, of everything else that, that he's overcome. Um, and we, we wish, we wish him the best in doing so. Um, there's no easy transition. You guys want to talk a little bit about this travel squad that the, the, the together. Um, oh, I this... actually thought there was an easy transition. Uh, and so please, please do it. Please back. do it for well, me. Well, yeah. Yeah. Let's, Shuban let's was talking about how important it is to like, you know, just be mindful of the things that the other players are going through and to, you know, not be overly critical. And I was thinking, well, yeah, that's very true. Eric Dyer needs to get the fuck out of my club, but that's also very true. <laughs> Okay, so, well, um, but didn't I don't think he did like a, some sort of doc on that guy? Like, hey, you've been at the club for far too long, and we should probably get rid of you. But yeah, we, here's a doc. We, we have that. We have that later on in the rundown. We, okay, we can get to we can get to that. Um, hey, right, let's fine. just let's just remember Lucas Mora did last season too, and where is he now? So I don't know. Maybe maybe your 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 wish is this is future prediction. Who knows? Okay. Um, this travel squad, TC, 31 players involved uh, in traveling, 
And I guess my biggest takeaway was that's a lot. Um, I was very surprised at some of the names that were included on this preseason tour. Um, names that we I don't fully expect to be here long term, or maybe even by the end of the summer, were included on this on this tour. Um, a few names that were left off of it, not not as surprising. But wh- what was your overall takeaway from just you know the, these thirty one names, and then the names that were left off? Um, well, okay, I'll say three things on that. The first thing uh, is this is brilliant by Big Ange because you don't know what you have until in, until you look at it. That's one. Two. There's a decent chance that a lot of these players that we're looking at going, meh, they're fucking, they're, they're, they're uh, surplus to requirements. We need to move them on. They're dead weight, la da 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 I mean, they could just be a, a trombone player that someone had been trying to stick in a string quartet. So now we got some folks that are, we, we need a horn section again. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, the trombone player has got a role here. So I don't know who that Joe Roden trombone player is, but what I will say is that there's a chance that some people might shock you here that you would have otherwise seen coming out there, you know, moving on at the beginning of this window. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, think I'm pumped about that idea. Yeah, that's the biggest thing to all of this is if anybody was left out of the squad, I would be way more surprised than with the squad that we saw go. Yeah, um, that's fair. Like, the, the, we're, we're rebuilding well, the well, house. Scott, so Scott like, tell me, why Scott, tell me who those names are, though. Who, who are the names that were included that if they were left off, you would have been surprised by? Um, Hoybier, Dyer. Um, I don't know. Off the top of my head, those are the first two that come to for, mind. For, but for the record, maybe, I would have been surprised. I would have Maybe. been surprised about Dyer as well. Every indication is that he doesn't want to go anywhere and is, is going to see out his contract for this next well, year. I think I think that's been pretty well reported and stated. The, the Lacelso one to but, me, though, you, you bring that name up, and I'm like, really? If he was left off, it wouldn't have shocked me at all. Yeah, but, but I'm getting at players who we, we were questioning whether or not they'd be here. It would surprise me if they didn't go because we're, we, re, we rebuild the house. We can't leave, like pieces of that house behind we need to see if they fit right so well but aren't you supposed is... to be getting new pieces for the house isn't that part of the deal but like, well, well hold well, on we, we're building no, no, a no, different no. kind of house than we were building before so you got to take that into consideration i think that's the biggest issue here is that you got some spanish tiles and before you were like what the fuck am i going to do with these i'm building a victorian but now you got a new architect coming in here going you know what actually spanish tile might be exactly what i need so you know you know you got to look at um you got to look at the names that are left off here, I think is the biggest piece. I think the biggest one for me, the biggest glaring one for me is Brian Hill. Now, I haven't heard any injury news on well, Brian Hill. He doesn't Hill want to be serious. That's so the point. I, would, so, is, and, and I love that the club, Hubble, I love that the club <laughs> levied the back injury distinction because I think that that stands for backbone. And he doesn't have one. It needs to go back to Spain where it's soft. Okay. Speaking of I, speaking of the opposite of soft, you're being a little hard. I think. I mean, Brian Hill has a backbone. He, I think he. I think we've talked ad nauseum about how it's he's hiding prob- under his probably, mustache. Yeah, he's he's probably better suited for the Spanish game too. And that's where a name like Giovanni Lacelso would have been slotted for me. I feel like he is another one that I don't know wants to be at Tottenham, and and it has already there's there's the many Tottenham? rumors. How do you know if he wants to be at Angus Tottenham? He's the one name that everybody was like, oh, oh, Gio, there's money here. There's value here. The only rumor we've heard about Gio this entire summer is Xavi at Barcelona, who has no money, likes it. That's all. That's all. That's all. So there's a higher likelihood that Ange finds a role for Lo Celso in this system than Brian Heal. 
Yes, without a doubt. But and that that it all goes back to what you said. We've got to we've got to see where where these pieces fit. And as Todd pointed out, you know his, his metaphor was solid. We've been playing under two managers who, in my opinion, have some poor, poor tactics they've been deploying right over those over those two seasons. I even look at Dyer, who, you know, back to the Delhi topic. Dyer gets all kinds of abuse on social media and it's fucking rotten. And I think a lot of people on Twitter need to look themselves in the mirror and have a serious conversations with themselves about how they act in public. But um, people that I even called friends at times, right. Who just say some really shitty things on Twitter. But I look at Eric Dyer, for example, the guys, the guys has played in the system with a high press, a high line ball at your feet very often. And then we go to this defensive, uh, defensive tactical setup, whatever you want to call it, right? It's a little early for me. I can't think, but you're asked to sit back and chase balls over the top and all kinds of bullshit. And it's been a different style of football. So I don't think there's a single person on this team back to the point that you can discount at this point, especially a guy like Postacoglu who comes in and expects nothing but passion and fire and desire. It's really Pochettino in, in a sense, you know, and what he's expecting mentally from these players. And I don't, I just don't think you can discount anybody. Even again, an Eric Dyer who has shown what Pochettino looked for mentally and droves over and over. And that's why he was such an important part of the Pochettino world. Right. So yeah, a, a lot to be discovered. I, I agree with you on Dyer, but Caroline, I, I'm sure we can find a few names on this list that, that are, that are on this trip that aren't actually like long for like is Ivan Perisic going to be back on this team is that is that a name that we're confident is going to be playing at left back or left wing on this team come 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 the fall I mean I feel like I'm not confident about half of these names still being right. here after preseason um but I, I I think that's a good point from Scott that it's not just players like Dyer and you know Perisic Sanchez who have been with the team who Ange is going to want to get a second look at, but also this just basically lone army that we had out at other clubs who haven't been in the Spurs squad for a long time. So he, he literally could not have any idea of how they might work because they have not been here. So I understand why he wanted the traveling squad to be so large so that he could get a look at everybody. Um, but you have to accept that, a lot of these people are going to be moving on because we just simply aren't going to have room for everybody. Um, and I don't know. It's it, We can't say that this is a second chance for those lone players and not also say that it's a second chance for the ones who have been out of favor and in the squad. So I'm, I'm just trying to keep an open mind. And, of course, preseason is kind of a weird situation because – the games are friendlies. So yeah. I think from a fan perspective, it's a lot harder for us to make true assessments. Unlike Ange, who's been with them in training as well. And he's kind of, I think, going to be able to see what things he's wanted to work on in training that they're able to actually execute. And obviously he's the only one at this point that knows really what he's looking for. So the, it'll the be other different. obvious, the other obvious good thing about a large traveling squad like this is even with so many games, you know, you don't have to play players for, for any length of time. You can, you know, pretty much use as many players in a game as you want. These are friendlies. It's it's getting guys a run on their legs. Shuban, the one name we haven't really brought up who is not in this traveling squad, and I'm surprised it's taken us so long into this discussion to even talk about this, but for the first time, the club has kind of acknowledged that this is the end of the line for Hugo Lloris, the club captain, and he has been granted permission to stay back 
and look for a transfer deal. Um, this didn't come as a surprise to anyone, but I guess f- the only thing that's different about it is that the club actually officially putting something in writing and stating that this does seem to be the end for, for Hugo Lloris. Well, let's face it, the club's not really good at communications at, at the best of times. So um, I just think it's, look, we obviously, we all know what happened back in, was it three months ago now with Newcastle? And obviously, yeah, he went off injured and then, it's yeah, it's a very it's not the end that you want for Hugo Lloris, but I think this is one of those calls. He has said, look, first of all, I thought he should have left, say three, five years ago when he won the World Cup. His values are as highest, and that's when we should have moved him on. But we didn't, and he stayed on. And like I said, I think we did a pod two years ago, and we brought in I forgot Gallini, and I was like, well, I think you said that we don't goalkeepers can start a dip, and you know, and obviously. His dip happened last year, didn't happen the year before, maybe slightly, but it really knows like this year. So, yeah, I think it's, 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 yeah, and he said that I want to move on. He's been at the club now, wow, 11 years. And considering how he came in, I have, you know, it's a sad, it's a sad ending for him in terms of obviously you'd like to have him say one good last goodbye and everything else. And hopefully he will get given that chance. But I think it's, it's a, it's a harsh reality. I mean, just to put it into context, I um, Ryan Mason, who's um, coaching the Spurs players right now, one of the coaching team, I met Mickey Hazard about seven years ago. And Mickey was instrumental in bringing Ryan in. He was part of soccer schools. They brought him in and literally from the, from the youth to the first team. And then we had just sold him. I asked Mickey, oh, how do you feel about that? And Mickey just said, that's football. That's it. And unfortunately, we've seen it is a business. It's a harsh reality, and there is n- very little room for sentimentality. You know, which, which sounds really odd because of how sentimental I've been, like Delhi and Paris and everything else. But in terms of having to say, you know what, you know, we've brought in a new goalkeeper whose name I Google Elmo, I can't pronounce properly, and this Slick is Vic. you know we made it here. Pardon? Slick Vic is what we're going with, Vicario. It, I, this is the first Slick I've heard of Vic. that. I haven't heard Slick Vic That's, at all. I've heard Big Vic. Nah, I've heard. No, I don't know. We're going with Slick Vic. Keep it moving. I've heard Viper. I, I haven't heard Slick Vic. That's a very interesting. Do you know what? Name you is know is that now, I'm sorry. Now... Maybe it sounds cooler in Italian, but that's lame. Well, you know what? Now, now I want to really go back to my Slick Vic discography now. So thank you for that, TC. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I <laughs> got you. Uh, folks, the, 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 the one name that we haven't talked about other than, you know, the ones we have is, is Ryan Sessegnon. And look, everyone knows my line about Ryan Sessegnon. And unfortunately, we, we learned news earlier this week uh, of another surgery for Ryan, uh, a hamstring. They're saying that this is supposed to fix the recurring hamstring issues that Sessegnon has. Um, he wasn't able to make the trip. We'll be out for a while. Um, I, I don't have anything else to say about Ryan Sessegnon. Everyone, I've made my 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 case very clear and i also want to make clear to to the point that caroline and, and many of you guys others other other guys made when we were talking about deli alley i i am not digging out ryan Sessnion. this is bad luck for him it sucks i feel like i am like the most i'm i kind of shoulder the most anti-ryan Sessnion-ness uh, of anyone and i'm not anti-ryan Sessnion. i really really want this to work for ryan Sessnion. it just hasn't um, it's it's really really shitty. It's really unfortunate for the player. Um, I feel bad even bringing it up, but 
you know, he's still a member of this team and, and is going through this again. And hopefully he can, you know, come back from it and do something. Maybe Ivan Perisic is being kept around because of this. Who knows? Because they just need another option over there. Uh, in addition to Destiny Adogi, who uh, who knows what's you know what he brings? We've talked a, a, a lot about that. Like it's a it's a he's a he's a very much a mystery box to me. So um, I, I'm interested well, I to think, see how all that plays out. But Ryan Sessegnon really really stinks, Scott. With well, with real quick on Paris too. Like there's no way he's going to play left back. Um, so it'll be you. You wouldn't hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's around, it'd be nice to see what he can do as an as an out and out winger, right? Because he is a very talented footballer. I know he's aging in terms of of, of football, right? Not like. But then but... too, they also just bring bring in officially bring in Manor Solomon this week, which we talked about last week, and yeah, and we so... think we think he's that that guy to you know to be Sonny's so... backup essentially. Yeah, so good depth for sure, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting. But with Sessegnon, more importantly. I think that the positive to all of this is that it was reported this surgery was recommended by like the most prominent world-class hamstring doctor in sports to help fix this problem that is recurring for him. So it sounds like, it sounds like, you know, it was a very similar injury to what he's always had. And rather than, than rehab and, and get back to full strength, uh, the utmost specialist came in and said, get this surgery and you very well could stop having this problem. Right. So right. he's very talented. Um, I think that in an end plus the Kogla system, he would thrive. So I really hope that he gets back to get, gets back to his best. And, you know, anyone who was, was, you know, tracking the whole saga that took three years to get him to the club, like things always take a Tottenham, right? In those early years, when he was on the football, the uh, team of the year for uh, the championship. And I was going to say the football writers team of the year, but I believe he was on, actually on the team of the, the season that year in the championship for Fulham. And um, that doesn't just happen, right? He That's was the player talent. of the year. The player of the year. Thank you. So the, those types of talents, if they're nurtured correctly, which maybe, you know, there's another conversation there, but if they're nurtured correctly, there's a really, really talented player in there. So, yeah, I mean, I think rather than rather than move him on for pennies for for an injury plagued player, you you invest in his surgery and see if you can get the thirty million dollar signing that that you that you invested in a couple of seasons ago. It makes way more sense to ride well, this out than sell him for nothing. I see you there. The, the also thing that you got to consider here about Ryan Sessegnon is that he's one of the very few people that have an out and out left wing back or left back profile like when you look at Ivan mm-hmm. Perisic when you look at Destiny Adogi like those are left wingers that happen to be playing left back right now or left wing back right like Ryan Sessegnon legitimately can play both positions and you add him with, with Sergio Reggion and uh, Mr. 6.5 uh, Ben Davies and that's what your left backs look like right now so yeah keeping Perisic around who they were just going to terminate his contract to let him go back to Croatia like yeah hang out Hang out for a little while. How are you hey, going to feel when Mr. 6.5 starts? It'll be a good time. Kick the ball talk. around a little bit. We'll sort it out. You cut out there, bud. I honestly, to, but... to be 100 with you, I'm sorry. To be 100 with you on this one, I think that uh, I think Sergio Reggion is going to, like, skyrocket back into the four here. Yeah, well, guys, I think that's what makes this preseason and this run of, of – now five preseason friendlies that Spurs are going to get to play. I think that's what makes them so intriguing leading up to the start of the season here in less than a month now is that we're going to get a chance to 
hear a lot of rumors about who's impressing, who's and and to, to, to bring it all back to your metaphor of building a house, we don't know exactly what the foundation of this house is even going to look like yet. Um, the, the, the club has hired a, an entirely new contracting company, a new carpenter. Uh, they, they hired a new guy to do the electrical work. The plumbing is a new guy. Everyone's new. I mean, other than Ryan Mason, obviously, and other than, you know, some, a little bit of influence here and there from Fabio Paratici somehow still. But I mean, it's, it is, it does, it does have this new car smell to it. Um, and honestly, I'm excited for preseason matches, even though they're going to be, you know, on in the middle of the night where I live, I'll still go back and watch them on Spurs play. And, and, and I want to see what this thing looks like. So it is interesting. Uh, it is, it is going to be an exciting couple of weeks leading up to a season. Uh, I don't know what this could be. And I think the mystery of it all is, is kind of encouraging. Uh, I think that's the, that's the possible way to look at it. For those who don't know, the preseason does start this coming Tuesday, July 18th. Spurs play a match in Perth, Australia against West Ham United. Uh, then they travel to, I believe it's Thailand, to play Leicester on Sunday, July 23rd. And then the final leg of that tour is in Singapore, and they are no longer going to play Jose Mourinho's Roma team because they backed out. But they are going to play, is it Lion City Sailors? I think that's the team from Singapore that they're going to get, get to go up against. That's next Wednesday. Uh, and then Sunday, August 6th, is that charity match at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Shakhtar. And now there's another match on this calendar. Uh, a few days after that, on August 8th, the Tuesday, that's the Tuesday before the season starts, Spurs will travel to Barcelona for a friendly uh, as well. So plenty of opportunities to see all of this kind of take take mold and, and form into something of a house that hopefully we can all live in happily this season and, and enjoy, uh, you know, the 2023-24 season. Um, the guy who is in charge of building all of that stuff Ange Postacoglu had his first big press conference uh, as Spurs boss earlier this week. And I, I just wanted to touch on it for a moment because I thought it was, it was good. It was lengthy. If you watch the full version, it's about 52 minutes long. Um, there were a lot of interesting answers from Ange. Um, and Caroline, I think the thing that I most noticed, and I think you're going to agree with me most on this, is the tone was so different from the last couple of managers that we've had. Um, and look, everyone knows how I feel about those last two managers that we have. I guess you could... I always forget Nuno was in there as well. You can throw him into the mix too. But um, this was way, way different to me because it it was more jovial almost. It was more – there was just a, a calmer, lighter tone to it. It wasn't as serious. And I thought Ange handled a few different questions in ways that reminded us of another manager that we previously had before these last few guys who was just – it was a little more light, right? Yeah, and I think just more straightforward, which I really appreciate because especially under Conte, I always felt like I was interpreting what he was saying because he wasn't very clear. Um, so it's just nice to have someone who actually says what he's thinking and isn't like, you know, taking subtle digs. And yeah, it's just going to be so much more enjoyable to actually listen to press conferences this season because I'll admit that I had just straight up stopped listening to Conte's. Um, I couldn't handle them. <laughs> and there was a really funny moment in this press conference when uh, I think a reporter, I don't remember which one, asked him about the fact that we're not in Europe at all and, you know, <laughs> what are the goals for this season? And he started it off his answer off by saying, wow, you've painted a really bleak picture. <laughs> but he obviously he was like being sarcastic about it and taking it in stride. And I, 
I think it's good that he understands that he really does have a challenge with this new job. And I feel better about having a manager who like accepts that and is excited by the challenge rather than I think the situation we were in with our last few managers where they were kind of like, oh, I guess I'll do this, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, enthusiastic. it's interesting. He spoke about that, just what you're talking about, about going into his previous jobs have all been kind of these rebuilds and, and projects that he got the job because they needed a reset. And it is interesting the way he spoke about that as that's what he, that's kind of what he thrives on and what he wants. He wants, he doesn't want to come into a perfect situation. He wants to come in, put his fingerprints on something and get it better. And he's done that in his, in, in, you know, many of his previous stops. And I think that was a real key part of it. The humor to, to me too, like you mentioned that moment, the moment that I loved was when the third question he was asked was about Harry Kane. He joked that, Oh, it was you guys. I, I had number six in the pool. I thought you guys would have a little more interest in me before the third question was about hurricane. Like th those kinds of jokes with the with, with the media and the reporters and that lightheartedness to me was so refreshing. There was another moment later on in the press conference where a reporter kind of stood up and and gave a goodbye, Ange. Like tried to give him an Australian and, and the look that Ange had like, Oh really this, this fucking guy, he's going to come in here with an Australian accent and try and be fun. Like the yeah. look he had was like the that of, you know, dude, the literal, it was, quote, it was kind Andrew of great. Was, the literal quote was, yeah. Nice one, mate. And nice one, mate. Yeah. It was like, it was basically like, you know, shut the fuck up. It was, but it was a subtle and fun way to say like, dude, really? Are we fucking, are we, are we doing that? Come on. Like it was, it was great. Yeah. That, that, that kind of thing was really enjoyable for me. No, here's the thing. Whenever you get the opportunity to meet the new boss, Shuban, like you, you only get the you only get one time to make a first impression, right? But whenever you get the opportunity to make a new boss, you can tell a lot about who that boss is going to be based off of the first kind of way that they address the group. Um, and so, in, in this industry, obviously, in 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 our industry, Shuban, you don't have to go in front of the media uh, and, and let them know how how your uh, how your board meeting went. But um, no, in, in this sort of industry that it's the first public picture that we have of Ange as our leader. And I think that, you know, attitude starts with leadership. And I think that changing the attitude of this club and changing the attitude of the supporter base and changing the attitude of people uh, in England, in the media, and how they portray our club um, starts with changing how we talk about ourselves and what we expect of ourselves. And I think Ange has done an incredible job of beginning to change the culture in the first two weeks he's been here. It's awesome. So um, you guys might remember Christian Gross, but when he joined Spurs, the thing he I remember, there was a big picture of him with his train ticket to say like, I'm just to try and build a rapport with Spurs saying, look, I, tra I traveled here by tube, I'm, I'm one of you and stuff like that. And the media derided him for it. And what I like about look, there is no doubt in my mind that this is probably one of the biggest, I think for any Australian, um, you know, this is probably the, the biggest managerial jobs they've ever had, just in terms of where he's gone from. Um, you know, I'm sure it made news in Australia. It definitely made news over here. And I think he has perceptions to deal with. Obviously, some guy doing an Aussie accent and everything else coming from Scotland and people, how people think about Scottish football and stuff like that. So I think he's got off to a good start. 
one of the things that the club, I'm not sorry, Lampata for the for the communication, they first got that was it the first thing they did was he had a dialogue with the fans. But obviously, they've edited it and they've done it on his terms, on on, on their terms. So that's the first thing. So it wasn't a press conference. It was uh, you know the gaffer talking to the to the players, but then talking to the, to the fans as well and having that dialogue. So and then by the time that happened, then to build on the next thing. You know, he's now asked a lot of questions about being Australian, the jump off from Celtic to Tottenham and everything else. And he's dealt with that very, very well. How well he deals with that, if there's also in go his way, that's another thing. But right now, you can only, you know, go on with what he's done so far. And he's made a good start, you know. He hasn't done the whole, we will make you proud and that kind of stuff. And all yeah, that, that, kind was, of thing. That, was, that was not great. <laughs> But ultimately, what he has done is that he's, you know, like, he's recognizing the problem. He re- he knows there's this perception about him. He probably knows that he probably wasn't the first choice. It might have been that, that guy from Feyenoord. So he knows certain things. And he obviously knows that, like, every goal. I mean, what I'd like for them to do is, is say, when they, when they do another tour and they talk about Harry again, you know, one of them, you know, like, Ryan Mason gives him a five or gives him, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you won the bet. It was, I, I was number six in the pool. I was number four in the pool. You know what I'm saying just to literally make a mockery out of the media because you know, because I think because his thing we do have some very good media. Alistair Gold is one of the people I love listening to. Ali Gold is very fantastic, popular. and Rob Guest well, does a great job as well. And I actually, I'm glad yeah. you brought up Alistair Gold because I did want to, I wanted to mention the one question that he asked, and I think it was the first question that he asked. I think he asked three or four during the whole press conference, but the first one he asked, I thought, was really interesting because it was very personal. And he asked about his father and, and Ange's father, for those who don't know, passed away a few years ago, but he had a, he had a very close relationship with his father. And he asked about how proud he thinks his father would be seeing him as the, as the now boss of a premier league club. And it was, it, it was poignant. It was, it was heartfelt, the answer from Ange. And, and, you know, I, I think that that's a really important type of question to be asking in this setting and to get to know the person. I couldn't have seen, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to dig out our previous managers that we've had over the last few years, but I could not have seen either of those two guys that, that everyone knows that I'm talking about, but don't want to say their names. I, I don't know that you would have seen something. So, and I'm not trying to make these guys out to be ghouls. Like, I don't think they're, they're terrible people, but you don't, you don't really see that personal side with them as much like we're already seeing with this manager. And I'm also not saying that every football club works with a manager that is is more open to, to talking about this kind of stuff and just feels a little oh. bit more like 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 a close uncle than anyone else. We, you know, we've been joking about Uncle Ange. Like, I don't know, this guy feels a little bit more like he knows how to connect to a club like this. Well, you know how we always talk about how we don't choose our club, our club chooses us. And it's just who you are as, as a person, you know, you resonate with the type of club and the type of things that matter to that club. And, you know, it, all credit to Conte and Mourinho, the way that they've done things in the past has led them to success and more trophies that we could ever imagine and know what to do with. And so like them coming in and doing the things that they do and the way that they do it works for them or it doesn't uh, or it works for short term and then they move on because they're assholes or whatever it happens to be. Um, that's not Spurs. We want to sing. He, he, we want to sing about how much we love our manager and how much they mean to us, right? We we don't want Shuvan uh, to have to sing about a man in a raincoat, 
right? Like we, it's the, the, the thing is, is that you gotta have someone who you feel is part. If you want to get behind him in the way we need to get behind Ange to change the, to, to stem the tide and change the direction, Scotty. That's the biggest point to all of this is this club, this club is, is desperate for somebody like him, for example, who comes in and when he's asked about Harry Kane said, I'm not worried about it. Like I have a plan and a project regardless. Right. And like somebody had to come in and say, I don't give a shit if you're Harry Kane or Dane Scarlett, we're going to go fucking win football matches. Right. Like we needed that badly. We had the very much the opposite of that from, from Nuno and beyond. And we have the very opposite of that from Levy, if we're honest, right? So we really needed a manager to come in and say that. And to Shubon's point about making waves on Australia, I don't know if you guys saw the 60 minutes that focused on Ange Postacoglu, the 60 minutes Australia that came out this morning. How cool is it that an outlet like 60 minutes goes for football and then Ange Postacoglu and Tottenham, right? But he was asked if Tottenham players work hard and, he, he definitely didn't say that they don't have a history of not working hard, but he said <laughs> they will work hard now, you know, is what he said I, to answer that question. Love and, that. I, and I'll tell you what, like, we needed a guy who will come in and look at Harry Kane and look at even Sonny and whoever, and I'm not picking on anyone. I'm, I'm saying you look at every single superstar we have and say, Eric Dyer. get the fuck up, work your ass off, let's go or get out of here. I don't give a shit, right? We needed that type of manager. I'm so happy that he's here. It makes me honestly not even care who's who's on the field match day one. I'm just so happy that we're being led by this type of guy. Um, I really think good things are going to happen. And if if you haven't seen that 60 minutes Australia bit, please watch it because it's 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 a really cool interview with the manager. I'm I'm really happy that uh, you you pointed that out because I did not know that was a thing. I know exactly what I'm doing when when we're done recording here. I'm going and watching the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, you're 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 the one that I really wanted to get on that, and I'm glad you spoke so passionately about it because it, I do feel like for as 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 Pochettino in as you were, I feel like your kind of initial skepticism about a potential Pastacoglu uh, appointment to all of a sudden you seem like you're more in than almost anyone you've 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 ridden this same wave that i've seen a lot of spurs fans ride and i'm not saying this is a bad thing trust me because i think it's i think it's what we've seen the general spurs population if there is such a thing as i do air quotes i think we've seen a lot of that skepticism that shuban was talking about with oh this is an australian guy who was just coaching in scotland and wait wait what are we doing here it feels like we settled because this is our guy our sixth or seventh choice perhaps that we've heard about throughout this whole process all of a yeah. sudden, I feel like more pe- more and more people are in because of the way that this guy has come into the job and well, spoken, and it feels a little bit more like early Pochettino than anything. It does. It does. And and I'm glad you bring that up, too, because I think, you know, my biggest stance this summer, which I'll still say nothing's changed, right? I still would have loved to have brought Pochettino back. But for me, Pochettino was was that that hand that was always going to win, right? If you're, if you're playing blackjack, that hand was always going to win. Anything else was a bet, right? And I'll just say that I think we've we've placed a really good bet, and potentially, potentially, even comfortable saying that we've won, right? Through through the bet that we've placed in Postacoglu, so I'm very happy. I think from a mentality standpoint, like I said earlier in the show, he brings pretty much every exact quality that I that I think Pochettino brought and that I thought we needed. And and uh, if 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 I was put on the spot and had to answer the question, you know. Um, do you think that this could be even better than the Pochettino hire? I think there's reason to believe that it could be, right? Um, I, I really, really do. I think that Postacoglu is special. 
I think that, again, it was always a risk to bring in somebody for me who wasn't Pochettino and could come in and fix things right away. But it, it really feels like we've done that. And, and I got to tip my hat to the club for, for going out and getting the right person and not, not the person that maybe the rest of the world thought would be the best hire, right? I want to say, too, that I think this is the second straight week that we've talked extensively about Mauricio Pochettino in this show. I don't want to make a vow to the listeners that I will try to not make that three straight weeks next week um, because that's that's too much Pochettino in, in this podcast for, for not a Chelsea pod. And, and yeah. And who he is now. I, I don't I don't want to talk about his name. Any, I don't want to say his name anymore. Shuban, uh, give us the last word on, on this post uh topic. Well, I actually wanted to ask a question of Kaz, actually. Obviously, we make a big deal about the manager's first um, press conference and engagement. I was wondering, obviously, you being a Bayern Munich fan as well. Do they make that same kind of big deal? Do the fans make a big deal about the manager's first conversation and media kind of thing? Or is that just an English thing? Yeah, I don't really remember hearing much about Tuchel's first press conference, but I think that's because the fan base was still in so much turmoil over Nagelsmann leaving. So that was kind of a unique situation with it happening mid-season. And I, I mean, I can speak for myself here that I didn't want to hear from him. So... I don't know. It's a little different. Like the German football culture is definitely a lot different from English football culture and especially like us here in America um, in that clubs are, I think, scrutinized even more than they are in England. And it's, it's because a lot of fans are actual members of the clubs and they have, you know, a voting interest and they they can actually put real pressure on the club. So yeah, it's it's different. It's just different. I mean, Byron's culture is also so much different than Tottenham's culture, I feel like. I mean, maybe I, I'm obviously I'm not a member of the Byron culture. I don't absorb it as much as you do, but it feels to me like what I was saying earlier about this is the type of club that I feel like needs a manager with the kind of temperament as Ange. I don't know that that would work at Bayern or like the clubs yeah. are so different. So of course I think the 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 influence and the the influenceability of a manager is is going to be different as well. It's I really don't think Bayern. there would be patience for a yeah. manager like Ange, and that right. it, it's just different. Again, like the Bayern culture is very much like you're expected to win. It kind of like he talked about, which Celtic, is okay, by the way. That being like, the I expectation think when he was at Celtic, like it's the same thing. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's a different similar, way to grow a club, to right? Way, right? Right, Todd? Yeah, it's it's similar to the way that it is at Celtic in terms of expectations at Bayern. The thing is, is it like, like Bayern is one of those clubs where it's very much the club is bigger than anyone who will ever be associated with it. And the way that things are done at Bayern, the Bayern way, is something that is infused throughout the entire fabric of the organization. You literally have to pass legends of that club now in administrative roles as you walk the halls every day so there's no fucking around if you're a manager there and and that's realistically why um you can see some of the the turmoil that you have when you have managers that at this stage of the game you have managers that are personalities and that have been told like hey you're something and they come in there and clubs like Bayern are like listen that's all well and good but you need to do that shit someplace else so I think Ange is the type that is not going to kowtow to the way that things are expected to be. Um, and so that's why I really feel like a job like Tottenham, where it's like, hey, come and be a person first, play attractive football, and then we'll sort out winning some shit in a little bit. 
is something that is really beneficial for us to have right now. I think it's a great, a great combination. I really like this topic of, of temperament for a manager and what managers fit in certain clubs and certain club cultures. I think we learned over the last handful of years that we found a couple of managers that simply didn't, didn't suit the club culture. And now it feels like we may have one that does. And that's that to, to, to build on that and to hope on that, I think is, is kind of special. Yeah. And I just want to point out too, I know we're going to talk about the women's team specifically later, but I think after hearing um, Robert Wilhelm's first kind of interview with the club, I feel like we're getting a really similar sense from him that he's, he's very clear eyed about what the task at hand is. He's intent on, kind of transforming the side into one that's more of a, a pressing team, one that's going to play on the front foot no matter who our opponent is. And I think that was the thing that most excited me about his first interview was was that line about, you know, no matter what team we're playing, we're going to we're going to try to control the game. <laughs> yeah, it's a really important point. And we did see a lot of social media between both uh Ange and Villaham uh this week, which was kind of cool as well, the both of them meeting and and kind of getting to getting to come into this club at the same time and you know almost have similar uh jobs on on either side. Like both, you know, had disappointing seasons, finished way further down in the table than they wanted, and kind of need this this jolt, this this revitalization, which um is kind of cool. Um before we get to talking about fully about the women's team, because you know, another big uh signing for them this week as well. Let's hit a couple of these quick hitters. Um, for example, we, we talked about it earlier, but Eric Dyer uh, got his own documentary on Spurs play that was released this week. Is anyone Has anyone watched this yet? Is anyone going to watch it? I have not watched it. I'm not sure I intend to. I did not watch the Lucas Mora one. Um, I'm way more interested in Spurs play. It. Yeah. Oh, my bad. No, I, I was just going to say I – I'm way more interested in the Spurs play content from the women's side of things, and I wish they would bump that kind of stuff up because I watched the the documentary they had on the history of the women's team on there. That was that was actually very good content. Um, but I, I don't know, Scott, are you are you interested in an Eric Dyer documentary? Not really. I, well, I'll say this: I'm not interested more more so because I don't want to play pay for Spurs play. If I had Spurs play, I'd probably watch it. And I'm I'm one of those annoying people who says I'm not spending these like. 50 and 60 dollars here and there until you start performing a little bit better right then i'll maybe be more interested and i know how stupid that sounds but it is what it is right um plenty of other subscriptions to pay for <clears throat> at this point but i will say i'm glad eric dyer is getting some love and recognition because again i think there's a lot of just nasty bullshit on twitter that that compounds this this whole thing that becomes eric dyer is shit eric dyer made a couple key mistakes for a defense that was poorly set up and every time a two man midfield, whatever, I'm not going to just, I, it is what it is. Right. I think Eric Dyer deserves love and respect for everything that he's done for this club. Again, he was a staple part of two teams that almost won the premier league and secured 86 points. Right. So Eric Dyer can get a documentary and we cannot berate him for it. I think that's just fine. But no, I probably won't watch it because I don't have Spurs play. And oh, it's not his fault. It's the club. The club did it. Like he 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 didn't do this on his own. Why are we? I agree with you. Why are we berating Eric Dyer? He didn't. Yeah. You know, and the, and the honestly, this thing. yeah, it, it's just one of those things where like, who cares? Don't don't take the time to pull out Twitter and like rant on about how shit Dyer is and get on the clubs, you know, posts and respond to the club like, what the fuck? Anyways, yeah, this, his first play was free. I'll watch it, Tottenham. There we go. That's my say on all of this. Yeah, I did think it was funny, the timing of this coming out, because there has been so much 
you know, negative attention on Dyer from the fan base lately. So this felt like another example of our club, just like never reading the room when it comes to their comms. But I will say I haven't watched it yet, but I probably will. It looks like it's very well produced. Of course. Um, for what it's worth. It's the, Tottenham Hotspur did it. Of course it's well produced. They do really good social content. Like we, we know this. This is the one thing. I mean, maybe not well-timed social content, but they do good social content. So that is some, one thing we can give them credit for. Um, the dire conversation kind of leads to the next quick quick hitter I wanted to get to. Um, no, no new center backs have been brought in. No new center backs made this trip because no new ones have been brought in. And maybe that's part of the reason that Eric Dyer is getting so much uh, flack, if you will. Um, but is this worrisome to anyone else? Does it feel more and more to me like this club is going to go with Eric Dyer and probably bring back Clement Longley and maybe, maybe Van de Ven, uh, maybe they bring him in. But like, other than that, it doesn't feel like a whole lot is being done for this position and all of a sudden why no why that we've literally heard rumors for the last three weeks that and up until last night when Fabrizio Romano comes out and says Tottenham are still working on Tapsoba and Vandeven it just hasn't happened yet the thing is we need to be mindful of timelines here there are certain deals that you can get done early and certain deals that you can't if you're 20 million apart on an evaluation or on a valuation for Tapsoba like that's going to cause a little bit of of pause right on the levy side and say hey what are we going to do to to bridge this gap so those these deals take time like i obviously i am you know no stranger to maligning tottenham for waiting until wait in the till late in the window to to make their moves and and i think everybody is mindful of that but if there's a couple of if you need five players and you get three of them in within the first week of the window but the other two are you know come in later on throughout the window and it's kind of staggered over time at the end of the window you still got the five players you need we just need to take a deep breath because it didn't happen before we went on tour i'm i'm not pressing any kind of panic button todd but i am saying that it it it's the one part of the team that is i think we all can agree probably the most broken and now we and, couldn't and, have said that before Vicario got here. We couldn't have said that before James Madison got here. We couldn't. I have think said even that. I, I think I, I think I would have. I think I would have said that even before those players came in, that the center back position is the most broken. I think we've all agreed that we have one, and I say reliable when I talk Cody Romero, but we all know I have a little bit of skepticism there as well. But we have one super reliable center back, and on a agree are not really going to push us forward so i like my focus would have been on center back first now i'm not criticizing the club if they get a couple over the line here and can add to this group they also probably have to get a couple out which is where we go back to the conversation about this this list of, of players that did travel and pretty much all the center backs from from what i can see traveled which is wild to me you know there's japatan ganga eric dyer joe wrote on all these names that we've kind of davidson sanchez even like we talk about all these names that we think might be on their way out, but they also went on tour with the club. So who knows? Like I just, I'm, I'm starting to get that worried mindset that center back may not actually get the facelift that we want it to in this window. And again, there's still time, but it's, it's, it's just something to think about. You got to remember we're, we're less than a month from the season starting. How often do these quick things typically happen, especially when the club is away for the next week and a half. Well, and just like you're talking about, we need to get players out. It's probably the same case with the clubs that we're trying to get these center backs from or bringing someone in to replace them. Because like, for example, with Tepsoba, he's someone who's been a locked on starter for Bayer Leverkusen for a couple seasons now. 
So that's very important for them to be able to, you know, know that they can replace him because they're really trying to make a push for getting back to challenging for the title in the Bundesliga. So I I'm think not... Davison Sanchez would look great at Bayer Leverkusen. Go for yeah, it. I mean, if they want to trade, <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do something like that and maybe throw them a little, <clears throat> little bit here and there anyway. To, to Andrew's point, though, too, the window does close the end of July now. It's not the elongated window we've seen in the past, right? So it's going to be a little Is that snow, true? I actually didn't even know that. It, yeah, it ends at the end of July, um, July 31st, I think. Unless I could be – God, I hope I'm not wrong, but I'm almost positive that, that they don't have that elongated window that they've had the last few seasons, um, that they've shortened it back to what it used to be, so – um, maybe I'm really, maybe I'm asking for the resident Englishman to, to confirm this for me quickly, but, but, uh, so that again, sorry, Scotty, it does a window no, 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 on the no. 31st of July. No, that's what I was, you stole my bloody line again, dude. <laughs> hey, well, I was going to say that. Man. I was literally going to say, I was going to say that. So I, I was clear. I've got, I've got to start chatting to your missus because I was clearly, you're, you're, you're reading my mind like she does. No, that's what I was going to say. We've got. Was it three players? Well, I mean, obviously, not as Man of Solomon is more opportun opportunistic signing, but we've got, well, I think, I can't think of, I don't, I don't think even Man City have got all the players they want in, all the players they want out, and they're probably going on tour. So this is a moving thing. Things are constantly moving. I think, so, for example, Harry Maguire, I think, is just breaking news. He's been stripped of the, of the captaincy at Man United. Now, no, I'm not saying I'm Harry Maguire. I am just saying that his interest in the market changes things as well. So what I'm just saying is it's a constantly shifting. It's, it's kind of like, you know, spinning plates. Yeah. You know, yeah. we still haven't got our, um, is it Scott Munster hasn't properly joined us yet? So there's a lot of things to happen that will happen. Yeah. So for me, but, yes, way, I think... By the way, you guys are totally wrong on this. I just looked it up. The transfer window does not close until September. Yeah, September. First. Oh, what? okay. Never mind. Yeah. Very good. No, 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 saying, what July you guys are freaking out. And we've got I'm on the pod. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm, not, dude, I'm very optimistic of freaking out. I, yeah, okay. we're good. The transfer uh, window in the transfer window in the Premier League closes Friday, September 1st at uh, 11 p.m. British Standard Time. So we're, we got time. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, sorry. The, sorry. If, the, if you're still with us after that, congrats to you. You win. You know, Tottenham Depot of the week. I've completely goodness. derailed the podcast. With, with no, you have, and it's fine because but, we can all laugh about this later. But that's no. The, I guess the grander point is, it would be nice to have had a center back, a new center back or two on this trip. They didn't get that done. We'll see where it goes from there. But again, the season starts in you know less than a month, and getting someone bedded in to to play that position under a new manager who we think could be a starter, we're hoping to sign a, a starting caliber center back. That, that that presents a little bit of a challenge. That's my only point. Well, what I want to say is that it's not necessarily as important, Scott, as it was with like under Conte, where you have to learn all of these automations. It's like if you can play center back in a back four and you were going to play a high line, like these are the types of players that we're, that we're going after. So I don't necessarily – like obviously there's going to be a betting in process, but I don't necessarily think that the learning curve is going to be as steep as it has been in years past under, say, a Conte or a Mourinho where you got to figure out the way to defensively not do what's instinctive to you as a footballer. <laughs> well, I think kind of leads exactly to what I was going to say, which is that – well, for, I'll say two things. First of all, a lot of these center backs that we're talking about, Dyer, Sanchez even, right, I've said it once on the show, I'll say it again. Everybody coming up through football over the past 10 years has been taught a very 
offensive ball at ball at your feet type of type of type of game, right? The game has shifted. The tactics that were deployed under Conte and Mourinho, people are say people will say are ancient. There's something to that, right? They're not taught from a young age anymore. And so I do think that it's worth looking at guys in a more natural setting, right? And we're gonna see that under post to Koglu with the trend of soccer throughout the world. Now, I'm not saying that we need to start the season with Dyer at center back. That's not my point here, but it's worth considering that people may look different. Also, most importantly, these links that we've had, Tapsoba, Vander, Van, I can't say his name, VDV is what we're calling him, Mickey, right? These things happened and were showing themselves before even Madison popped up and before Vicario popped up. So we may have very well targeted the center back position first and it just didn't work out that way, right? Because of all these, all these circumstances that make up a transfer. At that point, you're not going to not sign Madison to say we need to get the center back done first, right? We all understand that. There's some things coming out this morning. Um, Harry Brooks, who we all love and appreciate, has has even been, you know, engaging with this with this conversation on Twitter that maybe Mickey doesn't want to come and be a backup, and he's getting the sense that he might not be a starter at Spurs, right? Stay at Wolfsburg and continue to be one of the most prominent figures in the back line. You've only had one year of, of top flight football. These are things that we have to consider. And I'm not saying we need to hit the panic mode that he's not coming, but the player has to decide that it's the right move for them too. Visas have to happen. There's a lot of things that take place before the club will even let it be known that these things are happening, right? And as Caroline pointed out with Tapsoba, he's a big part of that team and they're not going to let him go for, for, for you know what less than what they value him at. Um, I'm also going to say that I'm curious as to why no one else is sniffing around while we, while we dilly dally. And you all know how I feel about things that, that happen when no one else is interested in them happening. Right. Besides Tottenham makes me a little nervous, right. That, that while we dilly dally for Tapsoba, no one has swept in and, and picked up this super talented player, right. That we're all excited about who we've probably never watched except Caroline. Um, so there's a lot, a lot to be said for, for all of that. Right. There's a lot going on, but. I think the the point to this rain is is just that we have no idea what's happening, and the club's going to pounce on what presents itself first, which is obviously Madison and Vicario, um, and we can only hope that the center back position gets sorted out quickly. Because, like you, Andrew, I do think that it's the most glaring issue to our squad, way more than an attacking midfielder, way more than a goalkeeper. Right? These center back positions are are crucial, and we're going to have to figure something out soon. I would think. I think, first of all, I think one man's, I don't say trash, because that's just a horrible thing to say, but one man's trash can be another man's treasure. So I think he hasn't had a good chance to look at these players, these defenders, and I think he gets a really good chance to look at them away from the, you know, obviously he's had a look at was it a week or something, but now he's got matches and he can see how they are in matches and how it's like, well, I've done this with them in training. I, did they do this in the match? Obviously not competitive, but did they, would they do it? Did they respond? You know, and... I think we have to give that manager time to reassess his players because I don't think he knows his best thing yet. There's no way he can. He's only been there, what, a week of the players? So I think he needs to assess his players. So I like to think that we've got, you know, obviously some players in early, obviously the goalkeeper, which is probably, a, and absolutely, I think, obviously centre-back was a, is a key position. I'm not spearing that of Andrew. But I think goalkeeper, especially with the fact of Hugo's age and everything else, is still such a key position. And so, and especially how we want to play in terms of this modern era, right? Sweeper keepers, not sweepers, going beyond sweeper keepers and that kind of stuff. So I think that changes how we want to play. 
And I said, there's a lot that's happening. It's just a point of context. David De Gea left United last week. I think he, he left on a free transfer. They still haven't sorted out a new, a, new, a new goalkeeper yet. It could be, um, I forgot the name of the one, there's Dean Anderson. Or it could be someone else they look to sign in, Anana. But they still haven't sorted that out. And they're getting on their tour. So I think, obviously, no one wants to leave this for the last minute. Spurs are infamous to doing, leaving, you know, lastminute.com. But like I said, there's two weeks that are going on. This isn't like, oh, no, I'm, you know, like I'm a really bad telephone line from one place to another. They're doing these calls. They can do these deals internationally. You can have, I don't know, let's say you need to, the players in um, whatever country or something, they can fly them out and they do the medical and stuff like that. So it doesn't have to, you know, although it's a different, no, I see it's how I think we've seen on social media. I think, Andrew, you call it a cesspool or whatever you want to call it. Fans are just, I think fans are just looking for something to get angry about. You know, fans are like, yay, Madison, we signed him. Yay, we signed Guglielmo. But I, now we're going to be annoyed about. I hear you. I'm not angry. I'm skeptical. I think that's all where I'm at. I'm on the verge of, yeah. let's, I would like to see this done. Cause like I said, it's not even so much about the tour, but it's about, you know, three and a half weeks until a game by the time many of you are listening to this, that, that actually matters. And that, you know, I want a little bit of time for that. Um, guys, last quick hitter that I had before we move on to talk about the women's team. And I mean quick hitter because we've gone way too long on this already, but uh, Harry Kane was on hot ones. Uh, clever. It was, it was fun. You know, I think Scott, I think you mentioned it earlier. He, he even spoke about uh, mental health awareness on that, which was cool. Um, this was interesting. A lot more rumors about Kane popping up this week about Byron, but still no real news. And he's on the tour, and it, it seems like this is this is all going well. But um, you know, I, I had never watched that show Hot Ones until this episode. I'd seen clips of it, but it was you know kind of kind of fun. I know it's a very popular uh, show, but um, I, I'd never really watched an episode, and it was it was clever. It was interesting. They talked about a lot more interesting stuff on it than I kind of expected that they would. It was a pretty in depth. Uh, little 20, 25 minutes into Harry Kane's life. That's a question I wanted to ask because I'd never heard Hot Ones until I heard Harry Kane was on it. So is that a popular show in America? Or, because it, it I, is, know, I know yeah. a lot of people are here. So I feel like confused as hell. What the hell is this Hot Ones thing? Because first of all, we don't YouTube have as big and culture as you do. Right. No, it's on YouTube and it's like, it's a, what is it, 20, 25 minutes every episode or something? It's basically okay. a YouTube show from, what, from everything I can understand. It's not like, I don't think it's on, you know, linear television or streaming or anything. Um, but it's, it, I always see the clips on social media everywhere. I see clips on, you know, whether, whether you Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I even see them on Facebook when in the rare times that I check on it, that's the only reason I knew about it and knew of the show. I'd never actually seen it, but it was entertaining. So if anyone wants to go watch a, a, a short interview with Harry Kane this week, um, you can go check that out. It was, you know, like I said, nothing groundbreaking, but, but entertaining nonetheless. Um, Let's talk about this women's team, Caroline. This was a, a, a big week. We, we mentioned the, the new manager and, and all the kind of social media attention that he got, um, but also a, a new contract signed at Spurs Women. So you want to tell us about that? Yes. So Rosella Ayan has signed a new contract, which I should have looked this up, but I think it's for two years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously, she's a polarizing player in our fan base. Um, and I, I think it's probably fair to say that her production in terms of goals and assists since she's been with the club has not been at the level you would want it to be. I do think she had a much stronger end to the season. Um, and I, I had long suspected that 
once we started to get some higher quality players around her, that that would be the case that she would improve as well. Um, and I, I think that she and, you know, Beth have a fairly decent partnership going on already. Beth England, that is. So I think it was one of those things where we, we couldn't make too many changes. Um, we'd already let a couple of wingers go. So it makes sense to me that they, they made this extension and there are other areas of the pitch where we have a much greater need to bring someone new in. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And uh, Rosella Ayan is one of the players, one of the many players. That's, I, I looked it up this morning. I did not realize it was actually this many. I thought we were in the three, four range, but no, I, I'm counting here three, four, five, six, seven players from Spurs women that will be involved in the upcoming women's world cup down in New Zealand and Australia. Uh, Ayan, as you mentioned for Morocco, uh, Drew Spence and Becky Spencer for Jamaica, Beth England, who you also mentioned for England, uh, Shalina Zadorsky, the captain for Canada, Rhea Percival for New Zealand, and the new signing, Luana Buller, for Switzerland as well. So plenty, if, if you're looking for interest in the Women's World Cup, which is starting this week, and you're looking for a Spurs angle, those are the players to watch. Um, what you know? What what are expectations for some of these players? That, that you know, I know not all of them are starters. I know even Zadorsky has had kind of fallen off as a starter for the Canadian national team. Uh, in the last handful of months, but or and even dating dating back a little bit further, but what what is the expectation, I guess, for folks who want to watch Spurs women in the World Cup? Well, I will first note that technically we don't know if Shalina is still a Spurs player because she is out of contract. I did not realize and, that. Yes, so it's it's kind of strange that we have not had any news. And if you want to be like social media detective, she's not really been posting about the club, even as far as like not welcoming the new manager or our new signing. So kind of strange situation going on there. But the other thing that's strange is that England just had their, uh, their last friendly before the competition starts and every player got minutes except for Ellie Roebuck, one of the backup keepers and Beth England. So kind of some questions around like, does she have a fitness issue or is she just really that out of favor? And it's, it doesn't really make sense because, you know, Rachel Daly as wonderful as she was in the WSL season has not been scoring in their recent games. Um, Alicia Russo didn't have a good end to the club season and also has not been scoring with England. So it kind of feels like she should be getting the chance. So, but Serena Vigman is like infamous for being very rigid with her lineups and like, she has her players and that's who's going to play. So I hope that she gets some minutes in the world cup because she worked so hard to make the squad in the first place. And I think she deserves it, but you know, England, England opened up. Yeah. England opened up their world cup campaign on Saturday, July 22nd against Haiti. And that is going to be like, like you said, they're having trouble scoring goals and it'll be interesting to see a team that's expected a lot you know, expecting a lot coming into this World Cup. It'll be interesting to see if they can get goals, even with Beth England just sitting on the bench. I did see that the other night. Um, and didn't you say there was a, was there a reason cited for Beth England not playing or was it just, we're still very much in the dark about it? Yeah, the, the kind of rumor was that she had really bad jet lag and she herself posted, um, I think it was on Twitter and said that, you know, I'm feeling great. And that some people kind of interpreted that as, you know, there really was no reason for her not to play. <laughs> so, wasn't the game they played? Wasn't the game they played in England though, or had they already traveled? No, it was it was in Australia. Okay, I, I mean, I, wasn't I think sure pretty much everybody's already there, and a lot of them area. have been playing behind closed doors, friendly. So, 
nobody could watch this game. So we don't have a lot of info. But I think in terms of like Spurs players who are actual contenders in this World Cup with their nations, it's got to be Beth and Shalina probably have the best chance out of out of the Spurs contingent. I mean, I, I really enjoy watching Jamaica play. You know, I see them a lot in CONCACAF, but they're definitely an underdog. Um, Rhea Percival, you know, her, her nation is one of the hosts, but they are a program who definitely has been underfunded in the past and are just sort of starting to get their act together. Um, but she's been named one of the co-captains of New Zealand. So that's really cool for her personally. I'm glad she was able to come back from her injury and make this tournament after all. Um, and then obviously Luana Buhler, we haven't really seen her play. Uh, right. so it'll be good to see her, her playing with Switzerland and, you know, same thing with, with Roz. I don't think Morocco are considered a strong contender, but she tends to play some of her best football with Morocco. So I think she's really going to enjoy this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is their first time at the world cup. So really cool for her and her nation to have that experience. Yeah, no question about that. Um, I'm, I'm of course, looking forward to seeing the United States. I am a U.S. fan, as you might guess. Uh, they open up against Vietnam on Friday. Uh, it's Friday night here in the States. Uh, it'll be, I guess, middle of the night, Saturday morning in England. For, for those of you who want to watch a winning side uh, going after its third third straight World Cup. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get it in. You know that. I was going to say, oh, unfortunately, uh, that, that no Spurs no Spurs players will win the World Cup. Um, one past Spurs player will win the World Cup in Alex Morgan. But yeah. I, uh, I, I appreciate so much Trinity Rodman coming out and just dropping the absolute hammer and saying that the U.S. was going to win the World Cup. Um, I love it. I need... I need someone on every team that I support to be that person to come out and say, we're going to win it. Come on, get on my back and let's go do it. And it's kind of fitting that it was a, someone from the Rodman family to come out and say something like that in the press too. So I'm stoked. Um, I have a ton of respect for Trinity Rodman and the, the hard work that she's put in to get here. And, um, you know, all jokes aside, I expect a good showing from from the from the United States women, albeit this is Spurs pod, and unfortunately none none of them are represented on the United States team. So, I just wanted to say before I just looked at that shot at, at my beloved England, um, so I want to do that the whole tea thing. Um, the person that did that, I think it was a Megan Rapinoe. Is it Rapino or Rapino? It's it's, it's, it's Rapino. That's okay. No, Norwich, right? So, Yes, but um, you know, followed by King's English. This is the country that gave gave you that language you speak. But um, what's the word? No, just say, I think she announced her retirement. I think last week or the week before. And just because, from, from my perspective, I was. I mean, I think I didn't know much about women's football prior to um, the 2019 World Cup. I wasn't very aware of. It. Obviously, I think was it Brandy Chestain. She was the one that I kind of. She's the one that ran off with the shirt or something. Was well, 90, her name, but, that was in 99. But, that, but I'm just saying, in terms of people I knew, I mean, I knew Alex Scott because obviously Arsenal, you know, she was featured in some of BC coverage and stuff like that at the time. But she was, I didn't know who this person was. And suddenly, I think even before the World Cup, she was a big name because she wasn't going to like White House and that kind of stuff. And I don't, I don't think she went on after either. And so just to say that, I think um, if someone like another Megan Rapinoe can come along, with their force of personality and really capture imaginations, 
that can only be good for um, not just I don't know, just it's good for football. I don't say women's football for football. So that's something because I said I think a lot of people didn't know who she was prior to the World Cup, but they knew who she was after, and the fact that she still captures imagination. So like I said I wish her a happy retirement. Although I hope I hope it's a losing retirement and England win the World Cup. But that aside, I just want to thank her for what she's done because I think she has done so much to get women's football just beyond the back pages but onto the front pages. I think that's very true. Uh, the United States is the betting favorite for this Women's World Cup. England is the second choice, however. So I that, I wasn't sure if they were still holding as the second favorite, but they are, followed by Spain, Germany, <laughs> and Australia to round out the top five. Uh, so a lot of contenders in there. Uh, we'll see how it works out. I am very, very excited for it. I always love a World Cup. Um, I didn't really love the last one we had as much even, until the final. The final was great, but the last one we had was a little bit difficult. Uh, but this one should be really, really it's actually being played in the summertime when it should be played, which is a very good thing. Uh, so I love that for us. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Tottenham Depot. This was a lengthy one for you guys. So a lot to chew on, a lot of preseason to watch, Women's World Cup all coming at you. And uh, before we know it, the the, the real meaningful uh, Spurs football will be here on both the men's and women's side. The seasons are right around the corner. Uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. It really does help to spread the word about our show. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tottenham Depot. You can also reach out to us via email at Tottenham Depot at gmail.com if that is your method of choice. Uh, for Caroline, she's at CG Stefko. Shuban is at The Real Shuban. Todd is at TC underscore show. Scott is at DSM Spurs. I am at A Stedka. And again, follow us at Tottenham Depot until next week. As always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>